Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome or welcome back to the Bridge Church Podcast. Please, at the end of this podcast, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Head over to thebridgelive.org and find access to all of our church information. Plus, it's the easiest way to share content with a friend and keep up with everything going on around here at the Bridge Church. But most importantly, I hope you find the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey, getting from where you are to where you want to be. Cross that bridge. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Jesus is Lord. He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, It's amazing, and it's an honor and a privilege to be a follower of Jesus. Welcome to the Bridge Church. Welcome to week five of Jesus on and we just want to welcome everybody onto the stream and to the podcast today thanks for tuning in and uh, we're going to have a little audience participation here today and uh, you know if you came up in uh, charismatic circles or uh, evangelical circles there was always the god is good and then your part is all the time and then i say all the time and you say God is good, right? So let's try it. Ready? God is good. All the time. All the time. All right, one more time. God is good. And all the time. Yeah, I think you got it. Now that's important because in today's word, we're going to talk about something that you have to have a great understanding, and everything that we're going to talk about today is going to hinge on this number one truth, and that is that God is good. His character and his nature is always good. You got to get that in your heart to realize that what we're going to talk about today is is a, a number one truth in our lives, okay? So if we looked into the scriptures to see if God is good, all the time we would start in first chronicles 16:34 okay oh give thanks to the lord for he is good his mercy endures forever you hear that around here a lot psalm 25 verse 8 good and upright is the lord okay and of course if we're going to talk about jesus on and we're going to talk about jesus words right here in mark 10 uh, verse 18 no one is good but one That is God. Jesus himself said that. So today we're going to deal with perhaps the most commonly asked question, the most controversial question uh, about God probably in the history of the world today. Uh, Chances are pretty good if you're a Christian, you've been walking with God any amount of time, you've probably had this asked to you. Or if you're... um, You've asked this to someone if you're if you're new to the faith or new to Christianity, but uh, the chances are pretty good that you've heard this ring through your ears someplace. And what we're going to talk about today is Jesus on why do bad things happen to good people, right? And this this falls into about three different categories. Realistically, this whole process, uh, you know, why do bad things happen to good people, or why does God allow bad things? Right? And, uh, or how about this one? Uh, why doesn't it seem fair? 
Hmm. So Jesus on, why do bad things happen to good people? Okay. So if we looked into the Bible, we could see this question's been asked for hundreds of years, thousands of years. It goes all the way back to Abraham, asked the question, should not the judge of the world judge fairly? It's not fair, God. It's not fair. Moses said, why don't you treat your people as they deserve? We all pray for for the uh, enemy to be revealed and uh, for some of us pray to, for him to be destroyed, okay? Jeremiah, major prophet in the Old, Old Testament, he says, why do the wicked prosper? It's not fair that bad people are getting rich and the good people aren't, right? When we are coming back to the city after years of, uh, of bondage, then of course there's David. If you've ever read through the Psalms, you can hear David's a uh, heart and over and over again he says why didn't you answer my prayer god where are you god i don't why don't you show yourself to me why don't you deliver me oh god when saul was chasing him we can see this question that we're going to talk about today all the way through the bible and um you know i know uh, a lot of people ask me particularly why does god allow people to starve why is there homeless people? Why did people die of a pre preventable disease, right? Why is there a million people a year dying in Africa from AIDS, you know? And, and then we could always, <laughs> there's always the natural disaster, right? There's a hurricane or a flood, and thanks to the insurance companies, they call it an act of God, which... I think it's just an act of the ocean, realistically. But the, in these questions, you know, it's why does God allow these things? We're going to tackle that today. And, and on top of that, one of the biggest questions on top of all of this is when it gets personal, right? Like it gets personal, yes. Why does this happen to me? Why does, why does my child have to suffer? Why is my family being being attacked by the enemy, or, or why does this have to happen to someone I love? Why did my parents have to have to divorce? Why did my parents, why did my dad have to die when I was 13? Why did Pastor Michelle's brother have to die when he was 28? Why, God? Why? Doesn't seem fair. Are you with me? This are, these are right-on questions. They're fair questions. Right, and and it's uh, and I think we should talk about this biblically. But why do bad things happen to good people? Right now, Ravi Zacharias, I love Ravi Zacharias. This he says this. He says, "Why do bad things happen to good people?" Is the number one question that keeps people from following after God. Interesting, isn't it? It's the number one question why people won't follow after God because they think that he's not fair. Why does this happen to good people? All this stuff. When in reality, I think Christian people or people in general have a, have a messed up mind when it comes to the character and nature of God. Because there's nothing ever in the Bible that says once you become a believer, your life is patty cake. Right? You get to lose 10 pounds, your face clears up, your hair grows back, right? All the gray goes away. All that happens when you're saved, right? Don't think so. Actually, Jesus, we'll see in a minute, completely, completely says the opposite. 
Okay, so let me uh, throw a disclaimer out here, like we've done in most of these um, messages in this series. Here comes the disclaimer, right? If you think I'm going to give you three points and we're going to, you know, write a poem and everything's going to be, you'll be like, I get it now. I totally understand why bad things happen to good people. Probably not going to happen today, right? It's not going to, you know. Thanks, let's go to lunch. It's like, no, you're probably still going to be asking questions. Um, there's people infinitely smarter than me who are trying to figure this out as we speak. So you're probably not going to walk away at the end of this with the answer to all your questions. But I will do this for you, okay? I will do this. I will point you to the one who can answer the question. And we'll... we'll um, or my prayer is always that we seek after that one, and that one, Jesus, reveals the truth to you. Okay? And I believe in this type of a, of a question, in these type of things, your relationship with God is going to dictate your thinking on this subject. Okay? Again, God is good. Number one point that you have to understand that God is good all the time. His character and his nature is good. So don't get your hopes up, but I will point you to the one who will answer your questions. And my prayer is that you seek after that one, and he reveals the truth um, all the time, and he'll help you understand what we're talking about. All right, so Jesus on why do bad things happen to good people? So we're going to look in John chapter 11, okay? Now, this is a, a tragic story of bad things happening to good people. If we look through the Bible, gang, from Genesis to Revelation, it's nothing but bad things happening to good people. Look at Joseph, look at Jonah, look at the Apostle Paul, look at Jesus, look at all the disciples. It was nothing but bad things happening to good people. So we see in this story, in John chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 1, it's a bad thing happening to a good person. It's the story of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Okay? Nothing wrong with these people. Catch it, too. I want you to pay attention to a certain few things, because these are followers of Jesus. Right? We're all followers of Jesus, but these people actually walked with him. He actually would call them inner circle people, right? And, and, and a number of things that are said in this story, I want you to catch. And we're going to make some points, right? About four or five different points through this thing that I want you to write down. And when you have this question where it doesn't seem fair, doesn't seem right, I want you to go back to these points and look at them. Okay? Remember, point number one, God is good. Okay? So John chapter 11, verse 1, there's a tragedy in Judea. How could this happen to these people? Right? They're Christians. They're followers of Jesus. Inner circle people. Look what happens. Now, a certain man, this is a real story of real people that really happen. Okay? Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, and uh, the town of Mary and her sister Martha, and it was Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil, wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So these are, these are inner circle people, right? And this is Mary and Martha, their sisters. Therefore, the sisters sent to him, saying, right? It sounds like prayer time. Lord, behold, he whom you love, he whom you love is sick. 
interesting. Then Jesus comes back, and here's Jesus' words. Jesus on. He says, when Jesus heard that, he said, sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that does, listen, how he's referring to himself here, son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved, say love, Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Notice, Jesus loved them, okay? Jesus loved them. This number two, you have to understand that uh, after understanding that God is good, you have to understand that God loves you without conditions, right? Inner circle people, tragedy stuck in Judea, Jesus just came from Judea where the, the Pharisees were trying to kill him, right? So this is the story, how this takes place. He gets to where he's going, and they say, hey, Lazarus has kicked a bucket over here. He got sick and died because he lives in a fallen world. This is tragedy. This is a big deal. This is inner circle people we're talking about. Now, when Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus, verse 6, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Wouldn't you be a little ticked off if the pastor, you wanted him to come and lay hands on your brother who was sick, and he decided to go to Vegas for two days and then show up two days later? Huh. You'd be a little, little tickly about that, I would guess. Right? So here's Jesus taking his time when in reality... He's waiting for his father to tell him to go. Interesting, isn't it? Verse 7, then, um, after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea. So here's Jesus. They send word to the Messiah, the inner circle, his buddy, their friends, their pals. He sends word that his brother is sick and going to die. Can you come and lay hands on him? And Jesus is like, yeah, sure thing. I'll be right over. Two days later, he comes, okay? It's, it's important to understand a few things here. That anytime something happens uh, like this, there's going to be faith involved, okay? It's everything that has to do with the character and nature of God and what he does, faith is involved, number one. Number two... There's always going to be a growing moment in everything that happens, okay? That's important. And, and here's, here they are, understanding that God is good, and he loves us without conditions. Jesus has been alerted, and he's on his way, okay? And it takes him two days to say, we're now going to Judea, right? So we can see that he goes on. He's like, if we, if we kept reading in the story, he's like, let's go to Judea. We're, we're trying to kill him. Now, the disciples are asking questions because they're like, why are we going there? They just tried to kill you. He goes on in the story, and he says, because Lazarus is asleep. And the disciples, like anybody, would go, why would you want to go wake somebody up? Send somebody. We don't have to go wake somebody up. He's going to live on anyway. It's not life or death, and they're trying to kill you there. Then Jesus talks about uh, walking in the light, walking in the darkness. Anytime you see walking in the light, that's clear distinction about walking in the will of God. And darkness is walking outside of the will of God. He talks about those things, and he just delays um, 
his going underscores his commitment to his father and that the Holy Spirit is uh, that he's clearly taking instruction from his father on when to go, right? Remember, learning in this, right? Look at verse 14. Then Jesus said to them plainly, because they're asking questions, why are we going? Why are we going? Why are we going? And he's, are we there yet? And he, he says, Lazarus is dead. Then listen to what he says. This doesn't sound very Messiah-like to me. Sounds like he's a little ticked off. And he says, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there and that you may believe. Nevertheless, let's go to him. He's like, I didn't come right away. And I'm glad I didn't come right away. Sounds like he's got a little problem here, a little attitude. Now, if we read back in context, Jesus clearly told the disciples that he was never going to do a miracle to prove he was the son of God to Israel, right? Never. He wasn't going to do it anymore, okay? But now he has to go perform a miracle to help the disciples believe, okay? He, he told them in Matthew 12, he said, the next sign will be the sign of Jonah, okay? When, when he told the, the Pharisees and Sadducees that he was no longer going to do miracles to prove he was the son of God. If we remember back in verse 4, he, he referenced himself as the son of God, okay? All right? So he's, he's clearly not going to make uh, proof that, uh, to Israel that he is the son of God. He's going to help the disciples to learn something here, all right? This was all for the disciples to learn something. Okay, moving on, verse 20, jump to verse 20, and I need you to listen, get a pen, if you got a Bible, get a pen, and circle this, because there's important confessions that happen in this story, right? Verse 20, then Martha, okay, this is Martha, heard that Jesus was coming and went to meet him, but Mary was sitting in the house, probably watching Oprah. Verse 21, now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. That's some guilt, condemnation, and stuff. She's talking to the to Jesus like that, right? That's that's crazy. And in verse 22, listen to this. This is uh, one of those things you need to hang on your refrigerator, write it on your mirror, because this is a moment in the story that changes everything. Listen to her faith. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know. Even now I know. Number three point that you have to remember when you're in a trial like this is, is that phrase. Even, but even now I know. That's faith speaking right there. That was a turning point in the whole story. Whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Everybody, all of us need an even now I know moment. When you're asking questions and it doesn't seem fair and things look terrible, but now I know because your faith's going to come up to that level. When you know, you know what God said is true. Okay. You know, he said, Jesus, Lazarus is dead. Jesus even said, Jesus said to her, listen to this. He says, here comes the promise. He says, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, 
I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Talking about Old Covenant prophecy, because everybody knows that the resurrection's coming. Jesus said to her, okay, listen to what he says. Jesus on. He said, I am. That right there should be enough for everybody to go, okay. He's not, he's not, he's not saying that he's going to, um, or that he's not confident in what he's going to do. He is saying, I am. This is the fifth time in, this, in the Gospel of John, Jesus has said, I am. The resurrection and the life, he who believes in me, though he may die, shall live. Right? Not I am able, not I'm gonna, or I might. Jesus is saying, I am. This is what's gonna happen. I am the resurrection. I am the life. He who believes in me, remember, you don't go to hell for your sin, right? You go to hell because you don't believe. He who believes in me, though he may die, shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Right? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. That's a pretty good confession right there, if you ask me. Right? He, he, was, he was teaching them and showing them that he's, Jesus is all about, it's right here. Everything you need, right here. Everything that you, you covet in your life is right here right? That even now I know moments is the I am, the resurrection and the life. If we have that kind of focus, when these questions come, when our faith is challenged, we win because we know, okay? Moving on here, verse 28, right? Here's Jesus being confident in who he is. Verse 28, here comes the other one. He says, and when he had said these things, she went away secretly, called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come, and he is calling for you. That would be a little dicey. you would be like, yeah, um, so by the way, Jesus wants to talk to you. I'll be like, <laughs> Verse 29, as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. So he hadn't gone anywhere, really. Right Then the Jews who were with her in the house comforting her, the fact that there's Jews in her house meant that she was somebody prominent. Okay, there, Otherwise, why would those people be there? When she saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying she's going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, this sounds familiar. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Sounds like they got a little bit of a, an attitude problem here. It's like they asked the same identical verse 21 and verse uh, 32 question. It's identical. That sounds like they've been chirping a little bit, maybe gossiping and talking about it. <clears throat> verse 33, therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, Jesus saw her weeping. Jesus saw her weeping. All the weeping that we do when things happen to us, Jesus sees that. He's right there with you, right? It's, it, he's with you in your hurting. Notice the compassion that this Messiah has. He says, therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned, that word groan um, in the Greek is used to express anger. 
He's a little ticked off. And I don't think he's mad at their weeping. It's my opinion. I think he's mad at what the devil's doing to him. And he's getting a little ticked off about it. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then verse 35, look at your Jesus. When you're in your hardest place, when you're on your face, when hell has landed and you don't have a clue and you are lost and you're struggling and you're in the middle of your faith battle, look at Jesus. Jesus wept. Jesus is, is upset. He's angry. He's weeping. Why? Because he has compassion for these people. Not for Lazarus. He knows what the end of that's going to look like. He's weeping because he has compassion for these people, just like he has compassion for you. When you're weeping, he's weeping. You know, Lazarus, Lazarus is sick. He got, you know, whatever disease he had, whatever happened, he got sick and died because of the fallen world he lives in. And Jesus is looking at this and he's upset. He's angry and he's weeping because these ladies are weeping. Look at verse 36. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Remember number one, Jesus loves you unconditionally. Jesus is weeping with those who weep, right? He's weeping with you when you're hurting. It's number four. He's weeping with you when you're hurting. He had compassion for them, right? And then some of them, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind, that's chapter 9, uh, also kept this man from dying. Of course he could. He knew what was help coming. He knew what was happening. He knew he had the power to raise him. But yet he stopped and, and he's trying to teach these people something. And don't forget, it's not just these three. All the disciples are there with him. All of, everybody's watching what's happening and the questions they're asking and the way they're speaking. Right? And, and it's amazing to me. Maybe God wants to do something big in you the same way he's doing something big in these ladies. He's teaching them something here. Even though you don't understand, even though it hurts, even though there's immense pain and struggle and a faith struggle and a battle, and you're not hearing God and you're not feeling God and, and all these things are happening, maybe God is trying to teach you something. Just like the four days it took him to get there, maybe he's trying to teach you something big, right? Maybe the pain you're enduring, okay, this is, this is heavy. Maybe the struggle you're in or the pain you're enduring is to help someone else get past the same problem, right? Maybe the death of a loved one is going to birth a ministry to help other people do it, right? Right? That's, that's deep. You know, uh, Joyce Meyer has worldwide ministry. Hundreds of thousands of people touched by her testimony of being molested as a child, right? Maybe in your pain, in your questions, and in your suffering, God's trying to teach you something. Maybe God's trying to birth something new in you. Maybe God's trying to bring you to a new level. Just like these three, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, I bet you their whole outlook on life changed when we read the rest of this story, right? 
Look at verse 38. And then he, Jesus groaned again. He was angry. He came to the tomb, to the cave, and he said, push the stone aside. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, I did not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Or did I not say to you? It's, it's like glory. If, if we can see the glory of God in our hurting, in our pain, you will have victory. Then he took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've hurt me. That'd be a good prayer to pray. Lord, I know you hear me when I pray. Right? And I know because you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I say to this, I say this, that they may believe that you sent me, that they learned something in this process. And when he said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I want you to notice something. It's the word, speaking the word, telling something to live. Interesting. Maybe if we used the word and spoke to some dead things, they would arise. Amen. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot in grave clothes. His face was wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. And all of this came full circle. And Jesus healed him and raised him from the dead. That's kind of a big deal. And yet these three plus the 12 disciples were learning about faith. And they were learning that, that the points to remember that God is good. God loves them without condition. They covet the even now moments. And Jesus is with you in the weeping moments when it's hard, right? When it's tough. Jesus never promised that it was going to be a piece of cake walking with him. In fact, quite the contrary. He said in John 16, 33, these things I have spoken to you, the two final points I want you to get, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The last two points. In me, you have peace. Only place you're going to find it. In, you, in him, he will overcome the world. We win. You know the end of the story? We win anyway. doesn't matter what it looks like. We have already won. Because he said, Jesus, on why bad things happen, he said, even if you die, you get the resurrection. It's not that bad, right? So we got we to gotta acknowledge that some bad things are just a result of living in a pain-filled world that's dead, right? Lazarus got sick because he lives in a fallen world. But there is peace and there is hope because Jesus rules, right? We can depend on the Lord some strange way. The more we go through as Christians, the, the harder the battle the stronger our faith becomes in him. And we win. Look at somebody next to you and say, we win. We win, right? So let me close with this right here. Realistically, biblically, the question we're asking is a flawed question, right? It's, it's why do bad things happen to good people is a flawed question. And I tell you why, because... Nobody's good, not even one. Romans chapter 3 says, says um, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of good of God. There is no one good, no, not one. Nobody is good. 
So realistically, it's not bad things happening to good people. It's, it's a flawed question, okay? When we realize that we're not good, suddenly we can acknowledge the fact that bad things affect everybody the same and nobody's good, right? Except for one. And that one who is good paid the price for everybody, right? So if we look at it, that uh, we, we realize that we are not good, we realize the fact that we need a savior. And when you realize the fact that you need a savior, it'll change your perspective on what you're looking at when you realize that there isn't anybody good but one who paid the price for all of us. The gospel that we preach is about good things happening to bad people. So the st question that we're asking is actually bad because is, is twisted because there is no good people. And you're probably sitting here going, Pastor, I am a good person. I do good things. I tithe. I go to church. I'm not a jerk to my parents, blah, blah, blah. Spiritually, you're not a good person. And being a good person doesn't really get you into heaven, right? Because Jesus said himself, believe, right? And in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made. Another flawed question is that it's not fair. Well, let me share this with you. God isn't fair. And it's a good thing that he's not fair because if he was fair, he would give us what we deserve. See, God is just. Somebody had to pay the price for the sin that we commit. That one good person was Jesus. All the bad people is us. So Jesus took the penalty of sin, right, for the bad people, the good became bad, so the bad can become good, and we can enjoy eternal life. We can live a righteous life, different than good, big difference between righteous and good. We can live a righteous life with Jesus because he paid the price for us. Are you with me on that? So let's pray. I want to give you a chance. It takes 30 seconds to go from bad to righteous. Right? I'm going to pray a prayer. We're going to pray together. Are you ready? Say, Jesus, I call you my Lord. I call you my Savior. I declare you are my God. And you are my Lord. In Jesus' name. Super brief. But now you can go from bad to righteous. And, eter and, and have eternal life, like he said that he is the resurrection and he is the life. So now you're saved. Amen? Pretty simple. Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, there's no good people. So why do bad things happen to everybody? Because we live in a fallen world. And the fallen world we live in is temporary. When the lights go out here, the lights go on there. And Jesus will welcome you in, saying, Well done, good and faithful servant. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the South Jordan, West Jordan, Harriman, or Riverton area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. 
because of the recent events with COVID-19, we are meeting in Harriman temporarily until our new building is ready. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children and student environments, head over to thebridgelive.org or you can email info at thebridgelive.org or simply text 801-391-6969.